Holly Murchison is up next on the Everybody Eats podcast. We talk about her new book, Tell Me About Yourself, the greatest coaches she's had, why staying hydrated is the same as staying hungry, how the Madbury Club and Walker & Co. are changing the game if we're talking teams, and the necessity of moving with purpose. And never forget, everybody eats B. I ain't eating. You ain't eating. What you mean you ain't eating? You ain't making this paper, man? Everybody eats B. Honey's play me close like butter play toast. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. And What's up, Gabe? Holly, what's happening? Uh, life. How are you? I'm chilling like a villain, yo. Chilling like a villain. All right, so we're going to hop right in. Uh, I'm going to start with a lyric because I feel like it's only right. I'm trying to live it to the limit and love it a lot. Yes. Yes, that part right there. That part right there. Like, who? I mean, clearly, HOV is the... Yes. Is the artist, but why that lyric? What does that mean to you? Oh my gosh! I, you know, I um, worked nine to five for so long, and there was always something nudging me, like, "Yo, there's there's a little bit more to this. Like, there's a little bit more for you to apply your energy and your interest and your passions to." And that line is like, "Yeah, granted, nine to five is highly how to survive. I ain't trying to survive. I'm trying to live it to the limit and love it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that part." So. And everything, that's just like a guiding, a guiding lyric, really. Like, you can do more. You can create. It's like limitless, limitless what we could do. Mm. So that, that lyric is a reminder of how we are without limits. But we have a, a habit to create them for ourselves just to feel like we're living in some kind of box or realm that dictates what we can and can't do. For sure, for sure. And living, you know, in a world without limits, you've literally gone from, like, Brooklyn to Oakland. What has the food culture um, looked like in those different cities? Oh, oh, my gosh. Well, food culture in Brooklyn. I, I'm, I grew up in Harlem. I was raised in Harlem. And going to Brooklyn exposed me to Caribbean food. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man, so good. <laughs> Get a little bit of everything. A&A bakes and doubles or no strength. Coming to Oakland, though, I got to experience what, like, farm-to-table food was like. Mm. So fresh fruits and veggies and being able to have access to those things. I'm like, damn, yo, we can grow our own and have our own. I'm like, Literally. yo, the possibilities are endless with, with the recipe game. Mm. But the Caribbean food is not really, is not hitting in Oakland at all. Nah. But I was able to no get that. No ice peas and rice? Nah? Nah, nah. I mean, there's spots you can get it, but... You know, there's nothing that's touching, uh, well, really, queen food. Oh, oh, um, oh. Yeah. Say that again? <laughs> One more time? I've, I've learned. I know, how, I know how you feel, but Queens is like the food mecca in New York. Mm. If, if people don't know that already, like, that is where, that's where you can touch cuisine from anywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, but open food is great. There's, just because there's such, like, a, a social justice feel behind, like, the food, it makes you more conscious of what you're eating, where it comes from. Mm. Um, but I got, oh man, so many good spots to have eaten at in Oakland. Shout out to that. Shout out to that. Um, and speaking of, you know, literally eating, how have you been able to stay hungry? Like, what music are you listening to you to that keeps you motivated to do the work? Oh, oh there's some great. Uh, there's a speaking of Queens. 
is a rapper, Anik Khan, rapper, singer, producer. He put out a project called Kites over the summer that just feels like summertime in New York. Mm. That keeps me going because he talks about putting um, from Bengali, so putting that culture on the map so it's not stereotypical things you see on the news. Um, Paris Martin put a dope project out that I'm, like, in love with. Um, what else am I listening to? Tarana A. Omari just dropped a new project today, which I was really excited about. So a mix of, like, East, West Coast stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, some dudes who produce outside of the country. Like, I love Jordan Rakai. He's from New Zealand, I think. But mm. he's oh, living in nice. London now. Um, Bosco, Brittany Bosco, put out a dope project. Uh, I'm still bumping that Jasmine Sullivan because I think because, reality is the first yes. project that she just was able to be her full self yeah, on. I totally And agree. really stunt. Yep. Um, what else? I love Miguel. Issa Rae's Insecure mm-hmm. soundtracks are always dope. Mm-hmm. The music they curate for those shows. Uh, Big Crit's new project. Mm. Amano Mari's new project. Brock Hampton. There's mm. so much good shit out because <laughs> so many artists are hungry. Yeah. That reminds me of like, how do I bring a spirit of hip hop and music to my work to shift different industries? Mm-hmm. And speaking of like shift, shifting different industries, what's one word that you want to be associated with when people think of like, yo, Holly, what is that word? Oh, ah, man. Purpose. Why purpose? there's a lot of stuff that when we're in this, this digital age of social media, a lot of people are doing it for the gram mm-hmm. or just doing it for a like or a click. And I want people to know that whatever I'm doing, it's always purposeful. It's mm-hmm. not to get looks or to get fame or it's like, how is what I'm doing creating some kind of value in the world? And how is it like really, really on purpose? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, tell me about yourself. <laughs> is an action guide to, you know, craft confident, compelling introductions and articulate your usefulness in the world. What is that book about? Why create it? Why you be the one to create that book? Yeah. And what's your purpose behind it? Yeah. The book is about really reclaiming your story. I think when we are in different settings, whether you meet somebody at a concert or at a dinner or at a networking event, we always get hit with that tell me about yourself question. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we get too caught up in responding to what we do versus why we do. So I wrote the book as a means to help mainly multidisciplinary creatives who wear a lot of hats and don't consider themselves to be just one thing to help them navigate those conversations better. So it's like, boom, I got a process now for when someone's like, yeah, what do you do? What are you up to? I can hit them with my 30 second, 60 second, you know, whatever introduction that is, mm-hmm. not just to impress, but really to move the needle forward in people's work and help them make more meaningful connections. I think there's a lot of times when we reduce ourselves to just one sentence, like, oh, I'm a photographer, mm-hmm. or I'm in marketing, but that doesn't tell nobody shit about what you do. At all. Like who you are, yep. at all. So I, I started to think about what are all the misconnections in a world where we can't afford the misconnections because we got you-know-who mm-hmm. running the country. Mm-hmm like what's a tool that I can give people to really approach their communication more powerfully so they could change the world with the work they're trying to put out there. Mm-mm. And when somebody tells you like, yo, tell me about yourself, what do you say? It depends on the space that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, uh, 
I was hosting TEDx Amsterdam. Oh, and a bunch oh of wait, hold on. We just got to let that marinate. Oh, okay. TEDx Who got to let it marinate a little bit? Yeah, 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 yeah. International Holly, that's the handle. Go ahead. <laughs> Glow, Glow, for the global impact, yeah. Mm. But so many people were like, what do you do? Because I know you, I know hosting is not like your full-time job, so what do you do? Mm. And I was like, you know, I, I, my, I feel like my purpose in the world is really to help people feel confident and to help people develop the skills to become their most outstanding version of themselves. Mm. So sometimes I'm a teacher, sometimes I'm a strategist, sometimes I'm a coach, sometimes I'm a host. I'm whatever I need to be to help people show up in their purpose meaningfully. Mm. And for me, that really is like, being myself on it, whether I'm on the stage or whether I'm coaching. Um, but I like to think of myself as a, as a catalyst, as an instigator, mm. as somebody who's here to make sure that the voices we don't hear from enough, like the people who look like me, yeah. like the women yeah. and the young people yeah. and the LGBTQ identified people have mm-hmm. the skills to really command the stage, whatever platform they're on. Mm. Mm. And what has been your biggest challenge thus far doing this work? My biggest what? Challenge. Oh, uh, man, anxiety. Mm. I um, was just talking to my partner last week about, like, suffering from extreme anxiety. And I'm, I'm a high achiever, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of unnecessary yeah, suffering do, that I go through. Doing the most records. Yeah. Yo, <laughs> doing the most records for real. And, like, I started to normalize my anxiety like oh this is just like a natural part of the process but the mm-hmm. biggest challenge for me is not getting so caught up in like over analyzing my past decisions and how they inform like what happens in the future mm-hmm. and just really really being in the moment because mm-hmm. in terms of like competition or feeling like I don't feel I never thought of myself like in competition with others I'm always like how do I best my last best like, mm-hmm. how do I keep best in myself? Yeah. And I think that's been the biggest challenge because it's easy to lose sight of, like, what you're supposed to be doing when you're so caught up in your head trying to, like, analyze and be and be perfect. And that's not real. Mm-hmm. So that's been the biggest challenge, really, because doing work where I'm working to help other people be their best self, I have to be constantly doing the work to be my best self yeah. and be really, really honest about what that looks like sometimes it's just me unraveling and keeping it real Mm -hmm. for people that that's what I'm going through so anxiety for sure copy 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 and tell me about your work with um oratory glory and why you created it yeah um it happened by accident I uh shout out to that (laughs) yo if you would have asked me as a kid if I wanted to be a business owner or saw myself as an entrepreneur I'd be like nah because I don't want to be in charge of other people. I thought mm. it meant having to be in charge all the time. Yeah. But um, I, my first company I started was called Fall Pass Store. Mm. Me and my team traveled around the country producing concerts at low-income schools to get kids hyped about carving out their own learning path to pursue their dreams. Yeah. Sounds super simple on the surface, but what I fell in love with when I was doing that, I was hosting our concerts, and I always coached the students who were coming on stage. Mm. So I was like, oh, no one is really like, people we get opportunities to get on the stage or we're asked to speak up, but like no one really teaches us the skill to do that. So um, my background is in like television and radio. And I was on the debate team and the chess team and the basketball team, like all these different leadership positions where communication was the driving force in whether we were successful or we failed. So I started oratory glory by doing public speaking workshops in New York. 
Mm. And I taught a workshop called Cool as a Cucumber, How to Master Public Speaking. I taught that through Skillshare for like a year. It, I taught it like 60 times. It was sold out. There were mad reviews. It oh. was great. And I was like, oh, people started asking me, can you come, like, can you coach me one-on-one? Can you come to my company and do a workshop? So I just started making up workshops and trainings for companies. And I was like, oh, shit, this is a business. Mm, a whole-ass business. And uh, <laughs> a whole-ass business. And I jokingly said to, like, in a tweet or something one day, like, y'all better get on board the oratory glory train. Mm. So I just, like, incorporated the business as that. Before, it was just, like, me teaching workshops. Yeah. And the more people I started to work with, it was, like, the need was everywhere. Colleges would reach out to me. Artists and entrepreneurs like me would reach out to me. Companies would reach out to me. And I'm like, oh, if I can create a space where all these three worlds can collide and people can develop these skills and I can connect these people to do better work together, we on to something. Mm. So Oratory Glory started as a communication agency, and now we've pivoted into a human development agency where we're teaching these three audiences the self-development skills they need to do their best work. And that's where we are right now. Like, what's your overall vision for it? Oh, man. I got a bird man hand rub on that. <laughs> it's really to to revolutionize what it means for us to learn mm-hmm. and where we go to learn, right? Like, you graduate from college, you go out into the world, but there's still so much more to learn. It's yeah. like, where do you, what is grad school like 3.0? Mm-hmm. So the, the big picture vision is to create spaces, physical spaces and virtual spaces where uh, marginalized people can go to learn all the things that they need to learn to communicate their ideas better, execute their ideas better, and connect with people who can help manifest those ideas. So it's like, what does the future of school look like for us? Mm. And that's like the vision that we have in mind. Right now, the book is the first seed in making that happen. It's a, a book tour that we're planning where we're staging like pop-up experiences so you mm. can learn from different people we've invited to be a part of this or um but that's the big picture vision so to blow up what school looks like for us for the people in the world who are like yo damn i'm i don't know what the f i'm supposed to be doing like as i start this new business or as i get this idea from point a to point b um i think a space is really necessary especially in these times for people to be able to go through just to hop back to the book real quick Tom, why did you choose to um utilize kind of like publishing specifically like book publishing as a way to get that message across and teach those specific skills oh that was a <laughs> that was all god honestly and mm-hmm. i actually it was you and um because when i started the tell, the tell me about yourself is a six-step process that helps you craft a story a compelling introduction yeah I created the process when we were at PSP together oh, for our dream, our dream Academy. Wow. And you and Salome planted to see, like, yo, put that in the book. And you were like, yo, team published. Can you write it by the end of the year? So I'm like, yeah, I can write a book by the end of the year. Wow. So I said yes in that moment. I was like, oh, yeah, this would be. Like, what is the most useful way to get this out here? And I think just, like, black people, people of color, mm-hmm. we services at our core like Mm -hmm. that's how we we serve our community like everybody literally literally and i'm like but that's not sustainable for me to be the only one who knows this process going around like preaching the gospel yeah i'm like if i put it in a book like and we treat it like hip-hop because now we're like this is the first album how do we sell a hundred thousand copies of this book by next December? yeah and it's like oh we can create a movement around something Mm. like that so it was really like being more intentional about what scale looks like Mm -hmm. and 
how to take myself out of the process. So just that it, it's not always wrapped around me. How has your work specifically like with radio and the tour help you kind of like get ready for the stage you're at now with kind of like launching your book tour and whatever else you got planned like after that? Um, it, radio told me that everything is just a conversation. Mm. So the bulk of my work takes place on a stage mm -hmm. and that practice of when I first got my radio show, like I knew when I was going to Brooklyn College and I took a, t a television and radio course and I sat on air the first time, I was like, oh, this is like, this, this is, is it. It. this is like my means of mm. like communicating, like the like, and that's like black culture, oral tradition. Mm. So I would be on air for I had a three hour show, and there's no better way to practice for how you'll show up on a stage than to talk for three hours and not know if people are listening that's or like people are engaged. Like you learn, you know, you learn. So doing that for two years in college, and then consistently being in a position where I had to host, so I had to take the lead. Now when I'm on the stage, I feel fully comfortable like being myself. It doesn't mm. matter if there's 5,000 people in the audience or 10. So now when I plan a tour, I work for my team to plan a tour. I'm like, this is what I want it to feel like. Mm. I want it to feel like a conversation with an audience. I want to bring other voices to the conversation. I want it to feel like some experience that you've never been through before, but it still feels like home. So it really helped inform everything I do. And now when I get booked and hired for conferences and things to do that, it's not just as talent, it's strategy now. Because mm -hmm. I've been on the back end of, like, planning a show or doing a thing. So they get my insight in terms of, like, how should we set up the program? Which speakers should we bring in next? Like, how do you want to transition the, the program? So I'm, like, a bigger part of the process. Indeed, indeed. And talk about kind of, like, strategy in the larger frame of just like your life right like we we I think we hear often like this word strategy being thrown around mm -hmm. all the time but specifically like what does it mean and how can we be intentional and purposeful around like strategizing our life for real oh yes I one of my mentors always tells me passion ain't shit without strategy mm. so to me strategy is having a concrete plan or idea of how you're going to get from point A to point B. Mm. Like we have this goal and I told my team a hundred thousand copies by next December. Mm -hmm. And that's cute. That sounds great on paper, but it's really like, Oh shit. Like how, <laughs> how are we selling a hundred thousand copies yeah. of this book? Yeah. So it's really us coming to sit down and think about, okay, who are the audiences we're trying to reach? Mm. What are the different means that we have to reach them? How often are we reaching them? Like, what's the product that we're creating for the book? Mm. How do we stretch this out for a year? And really sitting down to think through, okay, we have this tour campaign. We have, like, Holly on the road right now doing speaking. We have, like, ambassadors for the book. So it's really going from, like, what does it take to get from now to 100,000 and plan and creating a plan. Mm. And that goes with, like, life, too. Like, I have, I have to be or my A-game to make that happen. So even how I strategize my day is important. I know I wake up. I know I need to take a walk in the morning. Mm -hmm. I know I need to pray. Mm -hmm. I know I need to map out my day, or I'm going to get super anxious if I don't know where my time is going. Yep. So I'm mapping out, like, my day. I know I need to express gratitude, what mm -hmm. I'm grateful for for the day. And so just creating that discipline around your routine for a day-to-day, is it's all strategy. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just talk. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. And you mentioned quite a few times like team, right? So talk about the importance of having a team 
and more mm-hmm. specifically, like how you went about building a team. Because I think team like strategy is is the shit that everybody is talking about, and I've, I'm generalizing it, right? But the people who yeah. are doing, you know, moving and shaking in the world, know we need teams, but might be stuck on how to actually build a team. So talk a little bit about that, and what has your process yeah. been, and, and what has your strategy been around building a team? Oh, my gosh. I've made a lot of mistakes when it comes to team. Because mm-hmm. before I thought team was just like, have people around you who are just as hype as you are. Yeah, about yeah. This. Psych. Like, <laughs> not enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's not enough to hype people aren't doing any work, That's right? So before it was just like, you down? You believe in this? Okay, cool. Like, let's do it. And well, I don't know what your skill set is, but you say you down, so we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I learned that that didn't work for me. What did work for me, though, was saying, okay, I know that what I'm doing now, because I used to operate in the mindset of I have an idea, I got to be the one to make it all happen from point A to point Z. Mm-hmm. Like, if I don't know accounting, I got to go out and learn how to be an accountant. And yeah. that shit is also just, like, not sustainable. At all. So I started making lists for my projects of, okay, here's the idea that I have. Here's what I know I do well. Like, I assign myself a task. Here's all the stuff I don't know how to do. Let me go out and find people who do that and who do that really well and who love doing that, would show up in that. Hmm. That's like the team, like the project management side of the team. Like, who are the key players that I need to actually execute this idea? And I know myself. I know I'm crazy type A. I know I'm the type of leader that I'm a hype man leader. I'm a hype woman leader. I'm going to get you pumped, and you're going to go do that thing. But I'm not getting you through the process. I need strength. I need to know that you are proactive. (laughs) So I need proactive people on my team. And then it's like, that's the execution team. But then I also need my team of visionaries. Because I know sometimes my big ideas, I know sometimes I sound crazy to people when I'm talking about my big ideas. Because it's like, oh, you don't don't think that way. So I need my visionary. I have a squad of brilliant women of color who I can bounce ideas off of. And they're like, that doesn't make sense. How do we blow that up? And then I need, like, my team who are my friends, like my tribe, my people who've known me from seventh grade, who will call me out if I'm not being my authentic self, who know if I'm like, yeah, everything is good, but that's not true, and I need to dig a little deeper. And then there's my team of, like, coaches, Mm. because I grew up playing sports. I grew up, I've always been coached. Like, a lot of my homegirls, my homegirl Ash has been, like, coached all her life. So I surround myself with great coaches who help me work through my weaknesses. Mm. I know as an entrepreneur, I have challenges, like, weaknesses around money, like, Mm -hmm. Scarcity mindset, having grown up like super poor. Yeah. I have coaches who help me get out of the way of that. I have a business astrologer who helps coach me through what's happening in the cosmos to mm. make better business decisions. So there are so many different layers of team. But the biggest thing for me is like, who are the people who can help keep this vision on purpose? And what are the terms that I have with them to make sure they're on board, whether it's long term, short term? At Oratory Gloria, I have a uh, one person, Monica, who's my ops and projects lead. Mm-hmm. And then I have another company I work with, Kafra. They handle all of our comm strategy, our branding, our marketing. And that's like the relationship we have. Mm-hmm. And I know as we grow, like I know who I'm looking for next. And I just keep my list going. I got an accountant. I don't take on more than I need. Sometimes people think they need like a 50-person squad. I know I don't got the bread for a 50-person yeah, squad so. right now. But I know my small, crappy team will get it done. And they're loyal. Mm. Shout out to that shit. Major keys. Yo. <laughs> it, took, it took some time. I've I've 
lost a lot of bread on mistakes. Yeah. And, you know. Shit you charge to the game. Literally. Charge it to the game, for real. Literally, literally. And because you have, like, a background of being coached and, um, you know, just being in sports, two-part question. Who are, like, three of the greatest coaches that you've seen in any industry? And who are the greatest dream teams that you've seen in any industry? Oh, um, greatest coaches I've seen. My junior high school coach, mm-hmm. Coach Taylor, one of the best coaches I've ever had in my life. Like there were moments where I was like, damn, I wish I had Coach Taylor all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. She was tough on you but in a way that made you dig a little deeper. Like, I jam my finger in the game. I try to get a sub. She said, get the hell back in the game. I'm like, oh, you're right. It don't hurt that bad. Like, I can keep, I can get a little split and keep going. Like, mm-hmm. she wouldn't let you quit before you reach that moment of greatness. Um, Priscilla Ed- Edwards is a dope coach. She coaches at Providence. She's the assistant head coach. I mean, yeah, the head, one of the head coaches on the team. Mm-hmm. We played ball together in high school. She's amazing. Um, my homegirl, Salome. Mm. One of the best coaches I know. You know Salome. Yeah, yeah. One of the most amazing coaches I know. For sure. Uh, dream team, I think uh, Walker and Cole, Bevel, they mm. got the same team over there. Mm. Um, <laughs> like, Bevel, is, Bevel was selling out razors before the razor was even on sale. Literally. Listen, and that's a major <laughs> key. <laughs> I take so many notes from Bevel because I'm like, wow, y'all get it. It's, it's for the culture. Yeah. It's not about buying a razor. It's yeah. about having a space where community can come and know that this is for them. Yeah, I think they do a dope job. For that. Yep. Yo, for real. Big shout out to Tristan Walker. Um, obviously the Bulls, like, come on. <laughs> Daddy, Steve Kerr, Jordan, Rodman, when they were on the same team, I don't know what was happening internally, but watching on TV, mm. you're like, oh, okay. That's what happens when everybody plays their part and knows their role and shows up in that. Um, other dream teams, I know. Uh, the dudes at Madbury Club, mm. uh, I love them because they do whatever the fuck they want. Literally. <laughs> but but they gel like family. Mm. Like, you can tell they're just some dudes having fun and and breaking the boundaries for what creativity looks like and getting, like, big corporate companies on deck to do major things with them. Yep. Um, I love the team at uh, LVRN. Mm. And uh, um, dudes in New York, GFC, they're doing dope work. They've been doing really great work. There's a lot of dream teams who I think are, are under the radar, but that's when you know. You, you when you're killing it, and people don't know, they don't have to know your name. Yep. You're just killing it. Yep. That's, that's that's special. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. Um, what are three major keys that you would want to leave the people with? Be process oriented, not results oriented. Because the results may vary. Mm. Um, self-care looks like so many things, and it's up to you to decide. But if you don't take care of yourself, nothing else you're trying to do will work. So redefine what, what selfish means in your mind. Uh, third key, make fun and you'll always have fun. Mm. I was in the I was in a lift one day and the driver said that to me before before I got out and it was a super anxious day. I don't know what I was stressing over, but I'm like, Oh, that's right. Like 
if you make if you create fun, you'll always be having fun. So shout out to that. Freaky. Yeah. And what's one food, um, like food or beverage that is necessary for you to take your life to the next level? Oh water, yeah. <laughs> water. Water. Dead ass. <laughs> Stay hydrated. I, I could have listed a million foods, but I'm like nursing the cold right now, and just like staying hydrated yeah. is the same to me as staying hungry. Like water makes up so much of our body, and yeah. I don't think we take that into account enough. So stay hydrated. Your lips won't be chapped. Your that, skin will look good. You do not <laughs> want chapped lips out here in these New York City winters. I can't be on the stage with chapped lips. Uh-huh. It's not cute. Yeah, and people are talking about you. Trust that people are talking about you if you got chapped-ass lips. That's a fact. <laughs> and um, where can people cop the book? Where can people find out more information about you and your company? Buy the book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It's available in paperback, copy, ebook, audio book. I did the voiceover for the book. Please buy it and leave a review and tell a homie. Uh, you can learn more about me at, on my website, hollymurchison.com. And I'm most active on Instagram. I love me some Instagram. Uh, my handle is Holly M. Murchison. My name is Holly Murchison, and you are listening to the Everybody Eats podcast.